Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. We sort of have like a potpourri holiday mailbag rapid fire program for you guys today. No guests, just Aaron and I on the program today. Whoa, you've said potpourri three times today. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. The Festivus for the rest of us. Happy Kwanzaa. The feats of strength, the airing of grievances, whatever it is you celebrate. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. So we got bowl season. We got some bowls to talk about. We got Cruton, National Signing Day, the first one. Uh, I have a gift. Aaron has a gift that my daughters. From Braden's daughters. It's from me, but my daughters picked it out. So we will do an unveiling and an opening on the show. I have not seen it yet. I have not seen it yet. We will open it on the show. Uh, So you better be watching on the YouTube channel. Turn on the notifications. Go subscribe Subscribe. to the page. We really appreciate it. We have lots of really fun. Like the season is not over yet. We obviously have some playoff games and some bowl games to talk about. Recruiting. We got transfer portal stuff. We had a couple mailbag questions today that we're going to get to. uh, Some of our favorite and and least favorite stories of 2022. So it's sort of a a traditional Christmas episode. Uh, However, we've got some really cool stuff planned for the offseason. So just that's why you need to subscribe to the YouTube page. Number one, so you can watch Aaron. Open up her gift from my daughters who I are cannot imagine what this is, who are not older than six, but either of them, uh, they helped me the take car, it out. Like, I just can't. So I'm just going like to the handwriting. This, <laughs> the handwriting is my I don't care if the gift is. I know it's backwards, <laughs> but it's just like the quintessential cute kid handwriting where yeah. like at least one letter per word is backwards. That's my kindergartner who wrote that, which is how she says. It. The, gonna... No, no, I'm wrong. The letters aren't backwards. No, she got it all right. It just looks more like daddy's chicken scratch which has never improved in 40 years Uh, i assume my daughter's penmanship will get better over time so we got i also have a theory about tennessee football and the transfer portal as well so we've got a ton of stuff to get to today uh lots to do you have not had a chance to comment on on the passing of mike leach so we'll let you uh have some space with that of course and so uh lots of stuff lots of fun stuff to do next week we'll be completely committed to the georgia ohio state game and the playoff and and lots of stuff to do next week on the show before we do any of that however Aaron Fringe Element is a podcast about the SEC, and it is brought to you by J.E. Dunn, your gift of a quality of the better. Dang it, I messed that nice. up. No, that was that was good. That was good. It's what I was trying to say was J.E. Yeah. Dunn is a will and can be a gift to the overall quality of your life if you choose to work for a company that puts you well ahead of any other aspect of it as a company i would say that they actually i would say that je dunn all yeah. in all okay is successful because people they care about people and those people don't leave they do not enter the like portal it. they do not enter the portal no no portals no transfers and they don't sit out oh wow during christmas you're time. one of those people that doesn't no, like the bowl opt-outs huh i'm just okay. i'm just kidding live one your life those people <laughs> sit out but it's harder uh, to sit out of work no there's a couple teams that i think are winning in a huge way and one team that already has i think won in a huge way in the transfer portal in the sec at the most important position so we'll get to that uh but folks if you are entering the portal of life you need to you need to make sure you're taking those text messages and those phone calls from J.E. Dunn, okay? Yep. Like, go jdunn.com, check out the website, top 100 healthiest place to work, 5 billion in revenue offices all across the Southeast in America, over 200 jobs available. You do not need any background in construction. They, they, nope. build, build, they build large $100 million buildings 
but they are such a good quality company that they're looking for great people, no matter their background and strengths. Just go to JE Dunn. Don't enter the portal. Just go right to jedunn.com. Just go right One there. of my closest friends right applied last week. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. We should track this on mm-hmm. the show. We should. I can't remember what the position was called, but I'll ask him after this. Is, I'll was, report is, back. Is he qualified? Mm-hmm. We we He's we don't sure we don't want to we don't want to send any two and three star players to J E Dunn. We are only sending four and five stars to J E Dunn. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't, <laughs> Braden. I don't hang out with dumb people. According to Instagram, that might be true. Um, okay, so we'll open up the <laughs> might gift. Not be true according to Instagram. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Uh, we'll get to recruiting rankings. We got a bunch of mailbag questions, favorite storylines, least favorite storylines, some opt out. Uh, conversations that I can't believe we're still having some big portal news, um, bowl games, etc. Lots of fun stuff today on the show. But 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 first, of course, go back and listen to last week's episode if you have not heard. Yes. Uh, Stephen Lassen and I shared a lot of stories. Mike Leach was a big influence on my career. I got to work with him, shared some stories. Chris Childers was on, uh, which we, I know he's been on recently, but I had to get him on because he worked with Mike Leach for the two years he was in between Washington State and Texas Tech. I got a chance to work with them as well. And he's just been a huge part of sort of us coming up through the industry together. So if you want to hear us talk about it, go listen to that. But Aaron, you you um, you were out last week and did not have an opportunity to comment or chime in. And I just thought, you know, it's appropriate on your podcast that you get you get a chance to comment on the passing of, of Mike Leach, which, by the way, is obviously our least favorite storyline of 2022. Yeah, 100%. Like, by like 100 million miles. So it won't be in the conversation later. Uh, but it obviously is the worst thing that happened in, in the SEC or in all of college football uh, this season. So, but, but your thoughts, at least when you saw the news, it kind of unfolded over a Ugh. two-day period. Just, how, how, you know, how, your thoughts on Mike Leach passing. Well, everyone knows it. Well, A, it wouldn't matter how I felt about, you know, if I felt how I if I felt the way I feel about Mike Leach or not, this would be tragic news. But I I've talked about Mike Leach a lot on the podcast. How much I love him, how dynamic he is as an interview, as someone who was in the broadcasting and sideline reporting space for so long. I mean, he is just a dream when it comes to stuff like that because you just never know what you're gonna get. Um, you had some time when you saw it to be like, oh no, is like is this as bad as it, I think it might be because just no information was coming out. So you're like, this could yeah. be, this could be, you know, worst case scenario. And that's what it turned out to be. Um, so it's, it's, it's weird that you say that. Cause I, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry, but no, I, I did not say this on the show last week, but I got a text message. This is so weird how this works sometimes in media. Like I, I, I know exactly where I was when I found out he had passed Mm -hmm. because I got a text message. The news had not yet broke. And I was told somebody was down there covering it. And I said, Hey, do you want to come on? And and this was, it had not been released yet that this had happened. And he was like, yeah, he passed away. And I like, I know, I know where I was when I read that text message, like Mm -hmm. sitting in a parking lot of like, of like a, a local establishment. It just, it's so weird that we do that. Like, can we remember exactly? And again, I had found out I couldn't tweet it or whatever. I wasn't going to. Did you uh, think that news was coming? So what I've been told on Sunday was that it was really bad. And then, of course, yeah. there was some reporting that was out there publicly that said, like, hey, this is. It's really bad. We, we, we need a, We need a miracle. Right. I think is the quote from some people. But I found out kind of before it broke, not by much, but by a little bit that that he had passed away. And it was just. Like, I know where I was when I found out Michael Jackson died. Yep, I do too. Not, not to compare the two, um, but I was standing in Times Square eating pizza with my dad, which is really weird. 
Um, I know, I, I know where I was when I was on the air series XM when Tony Soprano died, James Gandolfini. And I remember where I was when Robin Williams died on a treadmill in the gym. So like, it's weird how our brains, it really is, but, but I will never forget exactly where I was sitting like on this earth when I got a message that said Mike Leach died. I, I like, know. And it's just like, like one of my, fr- like one of my friend's brothers was asking me about, you know, but it, it was before Mike passed. It was, you know, what should I bet? What should I bet on? Should I take this spread on? you know, the Mississippi State's bowl game or whatever. And it, before this, had, it had happened. He was asking me this before Mike passed. And so I'm like, no matter what happens, yes, take the Bulldogs because this has been such a traumatic experience. Stuff like this happens. You think it's going to be the opposite of kids are distracted. But I was like, no matter. If galvanization. Mike, yeah. It, yeah. They're going to galvanize around it. No question. Um but I think why he was important to me, and I won't harp on this very long, is just it's in in a in a world, especially SEC football, where a game becomes so serious. Mike Leach always maintained a levity to the sport, a lightness about it. Not saying he wouldn't get onto his kids and get mean when he needed to, but he kept it a game. And there are so few coaches that actually can have their perspective to be competitive and to do what you need to do to be successful on and off the field, but also to remember that these are kids doing something that they're passionate about. And that is very rare in the sport that is very much monetized in a business. Mike Leach was a pro at keeping humor and levity in the game. And that's one, if not the most, like my biggest reason why I related to him and liked him so much. Yeah, it was both his his bizarreness and his genius to get you distracted. So you, damn weird to get you distracted from the, the the football game that just happened or is about to happen. So uh, I just wanted to get. I think that's important. You're right, and I think you know. Just I know we spent a ton of time on it last week. So if you want to go deeper and you missed it, please go check out the episode. That one will last for a long time. Um, I, it won't go out of date because of the the. I think the stories that we got to tell about Mike is you um, agreed. Yeah, I, I think it's important for people to hear him. So go check it out. Um. We've had one bowl game so far. We, we got recruiting coming up. We got some mailbag questions, lots of quarterback portal news. But um, we've had one bowl game, Oregon State, 30-3 to three over Florida. If you listen to our bowl preview, which is obviously still relevant as well, Stephen Lassen and I did that. Yep. Go check that out. Uh, we picked every single game, uh, our best bets uh, against the spread as well. Uh, Florida had, like, no players available because so many of them are either transferring out or opting out. And Oregon State's a really good team that no one really knows about. Ten wins yeah. now. Uh, Anthony Richardson, of course, going pro, stepping away. I don't think there's any surprise there. But, like, I still can't believe, Aaron, that in 2022, like, Jalen Hyatt is sitting out the bowl game. Um, Anthony Richardson did. There's a few others across the board that that are doing this, most of which are to go pro, some of which are to transfer. Um, Like, the the whole, like, you're quitting (laughs) on your team thing. Like, how could you quit on your team? No, you're not, because it doesn't matter. Doesn't well, no, matter. no, the team, like, you have to be on the team to say that. <laughs> like, and everyone well, and, and everyone yeah. on the team is okay with Jay, and Jay. Everyone's like, go get your money, dude. Take care of your knees and go get your money. No sweat off our teeth. We'll take care of this orange bowl without you, dude. Like, nobody on the team cares. They, no. In fact, they support him. So where are we? Is this America? Where you can do what you want with your life, or are we living in a different country all of a sudden? I never, I can't believe we are still having this bowl game opt out conversation. That dude's quitting on his team. If I was an NFL GM, I would never draft him. Well, you know who doesn't care if a player sits out a bowl game? 
NFL general managers don't give a shit. No, honestly, I'm yelling. I also, yeah, you're yelling. You are, you're matching their energy, Brayden. I don't know why people, why are we still got to remain calm? No, I mean, that's true. No franchise, no NFL GM cares. In fact, if you are, especially the guys that are going in these top three rounds where in those rounds where things start to drop off drastically monetarily after, you know, you're going through rounds one through five and you have to make it. But also these kids, a lot of these kids came from, whether you came from an affluent family, or you came from nothing. That's been these kids dreams their whole life. They're not going to sacrifice it. I mean, you're still walk away with your PlayStation six or whatever version they're on Xbox and the best, and sweats, your, and the best sweatsuits and the best of all time. Sweatsuits on the planet <laughs> and, and save your hammies, preserve an ACL or two. I no, mean, or, t- or two. Yeah. <laughs> get a, get away from it. And honestly, no one cares. Go to the bowl game anyway. No matter if your play, your team's players are all opting in or out. Go enjoy it. Have a bunch of drinks. Go to a new city, and just get over it. And and, and honestly, the like like Michael Bratton, I was on his podcast this week, and he keeps asking. He's like, "Well, don't you think the, this Orange Bowl is like the biggest game these players have played in?" And I'm like, "No, they played in the Alabama game. Like yeah. that Alabama game was way bigger than this Orange Bowl." Now, I think to the fans, and I do understand this perspective. And I understand where Michael's coming from. He was just kind of asking the question. I'm not picking on him at all. I, I think what's interesting is that the fan, I think especially the older fans see so much value in these games where we now understand sort of that they're just charity money-making events to fill time slots on television to draw ratings and give us something to watch during the holidays. Like it's not highly, it's not, highly branded as well. Right. Highly well, branded. People don't know this. ESPN, a subsidiary of ESPN, literally owns like half of the bowl games, not the big ones, not like the sugar bowl and the orange bowl and the Rose bowl, but like the, the, all, all these ones we watch in the first couple of weeks, like the Vegas bowl, I'm willing to bet you ESPN owns the Vegas bowl. Um, the Gasparilla, also, the Gasparilla you just bowl. Have to, you just have to read like one bowl name to know that it's all about money. It's like <laughs> the progressive all states, like um, Kroger bowl. And you're like, okay. I mean, I get no free shouts. Jdun.com. Yeah. Yeah, jedun.com. Where's but the J.E. Dunn Bowl, by the way? That's what we need. Dude, the Cheez-It Bowl would be sick, though. But all you have to do is, they're not all named that, but you just have to look at the branding at, when you're at the games. Look at how many activation sites there are, how many sponsors are there, yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. called. It's it's a money game, and that's fine, because they're really, really fun. And it's really fun to go to a new city. And honestly, enjoy a game where the pressure's kind of off. Just go. You don't have to. You won't get... Like, hit in the head by, you know, an opposing fan's beer bottle because right. no one cares that much and <laughs> just whatever. Well, and I would assume if you listen to this show, you probably are forward thinking enough that you understand kind of where we're coming from on this. But mm-hmm. also it's 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 our fault. And when I say our fault, I mean the viewer. There would not be 46 bowl games with 114 teams playing in them if we didn't keep watching them. So yeah. the, the key is that we are watching them. And if we stop watching them, then it might revert back to maybe the toothpaste is out of the tube on this. But the reason the Sugar Bowl was so valuable in 1971 was because there were like nine bowls. And so getting to one of those games was was really important. And the, his, the history of that meant a lot to the players and the teams. It also doesn't mean that the players that are going to play don't still care about it. Of course, they still care about the games. They still care about winning. I also care about their future. <laughs> but but Jalen Hyatt specifically, for example, or Anthony Richardson specifically, for example, and, and any number of any other players that sit out for financial reasons. It's, it's America. They can do what they want. It, it the, the team doesn't think they're quitting on them. Nope. And and it doesn't stop the team from the guys who are still there from still playing hard and caring about the game. I, I'm just saying, 
What I've said all along is don't put any measure on the outcome to somehow dictate a team's success or failure in the future. Like if the outcomes don't mean anything for your future program, do people care about winning and losing players, fans? Of course they do. But is it, is it more important than making millions of dollars in the most important moment of your entire career? The combine with eight weeks away? The combine's like eight weeks away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Jalen Hyatt should be in Arizona running routes with a specialist right now, not sitting on the sideline of the Orange Bowl. So, Also, any, if you've ever seen yeah. what combine training looks like, which most people have not, you would know that it is. it probably takes every single ounce of energy that uh, all of us have ever had combined. So, yeah. And yeah. health. So uh, Anthony Richardson is out at Florida. It does look like Grayson McCall, the, the longtime starting quarterback, very talented player for Coastal Carolina, has chucked it all around for years under Jamie Chadwell. Jamie Chadwell has left to go to Liberty. And it looks like Grayson McCall is down to probably Florida and Auburn, but it looks like Florida is going to be the winner for him. That's actually, you could argue, with as talented as Anthony Richardson is, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I if I'm drafting him in the NFL, I draft him highly, but I... I want to make sure I sit him for a year at least so that he can learn how complicated defenses are because that's how you beat him. But I think this is an upgrade for Florida in theory in terms of the what they that offense will be able to do under Billy Napier next year. They will be able to do more things if Grayson McCall is healthy and playing there because he will be so much better from the pocket with his arm than Anthony Richardson. He's not as talented athletically, but I think that's a huge win if they if they end up locking up Grayson McCall in the transfer portal. Totally. Yeah, and I think they talked about how Napier likely recruited him out of high school, and they are familiar with each other because they have faced each other on opposite sides um, a couple of times recently. But what stands out to me about McCall is – Yeah, don't – hang on. Don't don't gloss over that, the fact that Napier – he tell everybody what you mean by that. So they've competed against each other, what, across the last two seasons – yeah, because he was at Louis. He was the head coach at Louisiana, so Correct. Louisiana and Coastal played a lot in the Sun Belt. Yes, so that's, so, a, that's, a, that's a really good point. I've not heard anybody make that point. That's very good by you. Good job. So Chris. thank you, Brayden. Um, so not only that, so there's a familiarity, even though if they weren't on, you know, they were on opposite sides of the same situation. But what we see this all the time, and I talk about turnover ratio all the time of games that are close and people make bets on it or want to know who they should take, whether they're asking us or just deciding themselves. I'm like, whoever has the least mistakes, whoever turns the ball over the least. And McCall's accuracy is something that Florida could absolutely use. Um, His touchdown to interception ratio is 78 to eight, like a 70, 70%, 70.4 or 5% completion completion rate and has just had, I mean, but uh, lots of rushing yards too. Like he's, he's nimble on his seat. He hasn't, he doesn't always needed to use it. Like in 2020, he had like almost 600 rushing yards and had a lot less than that in 2022. But um, just the accuracy is something that yeah. I think Florida will absolutely take Florida to the next level. And um, hopefully that's a good match for him from a coaching staff and player personnel. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to reiterate those numbers from an efficiency standpoint, almost a seven to one, almost a 10 to one interception to touchdown ratio. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sorry. Touchdown interception ratio, 78 to eight, as you pointed out over 11, almost 12, sorry, almost 10.3 yards per attempt for his career. Yeah. Over 8,000 yards in three seasons and 32 games, by the way, because it was a shortened 2020 and he's injured in 2022 but 
again, over 70% completion, over 10 yards per attempt, and almost a 10 to 1 interception, touchdown interception ratio. Just extraordinary efficiency and accuracy. Yeah. So I think a huge get if it does end up being McCall in Florida. I, I also think the number one quarterback potentially in the portal, I think Kentucky is doing some really interesting things with Liam Cohen, which we talked about last week on the show yep. with Steven. It, the, the yards per play with Kentucky's offense with Cohen before him, with him, and without him is obvious. It's almost a full yard per play difference yeah. for Kentucky. And then you add Devin Leary, who, by the way, a longtime starter, four-star four recruit at NC State. They were five. NC State was 5-1 and one with him as a starter this year. They finished 3-3 three and three without him, and the offense sort of fell off a cliff. He is a very experienced, very talented player. He's not Grayson McCall explosiveness. And he's not going to sling it around, but he is a winner. And I think he's a great match for what Liam Cohen wants to do coming back to Lexington after spending one year with the Rams. He also is say, on this on that same front in terms of accuracy. He is like uh, 35 touchdowns to five interceptions, which is also an insane number. Yes, and man. past Philip Rivers single season touchdown record was um, was a Johnny Unitas finalist. I mean, mm -hmm. he is. He is what could keep Kentucky, and we've talked about this too, about Kentucky's built this momentum and built this program the right way, and are are we going to see them fall back? And if they fall back, how quickly is that going to happen? And can they just stay on that level and continue to build? And this is the kind of thing that is going to let Kentucky maintain and not only do that, but progress. Because a lot of times we see these very quick up and downs with these big programs of you've you've built this and then it just all falls, to, it all goes to shit. Um, but adding someone like this could just keep Kentucky on that same road and keep, you know, Mark Stoops heading in the direction that he's been going for the last decade. Uh, yeah, it was two two year starter. So two years ago, you mentioned it over three thousand, over thirty four hundred yards. That uh, one of the better NC State teams we've seen in, in modern history. Uh, you mentioned the touchdown to interception ratio. Very efficient, very talented player. Uh, I think you could argue the best quarterback in the portal potentially. Um, yeah. Although I think there's one that could enter the portal that I think Tennessee fans should be very interested in because I got in a debate over the weekend. Um, uh, we we meet, meet a couple of buddies. We we do uh, martinis and meat every now and then. We go have a nice steak, drink a martini, talk about football and Big meat, guys. variety of other things. A couple of ones, one's a huge Tennessee fan. A couple of them are huge Tennessee fans and. I've got something to say to Tennessee fans. Okay. And I don't know why this is new information to people. But Joe Milton ain't it, folks. Like, I, I'm sure he's a wonderful young man. He's got a huge arm, and he looks like a snarling defensive end from the NFL. He's he's huge. He looks the part. He, he's not it. And we're going to get to a mailbag question here in a second about are, do Tennessee fans need to expect a big drop-off in 2023? Yep. And I, and I think if... Joe Milton is the starting quarterback. It is all but guaranteed that they are going to take a couple of steps back. Seven, eight wins, best case scenario, in my opinion, because I don't think Joe Milton is particularly good. I think they need now. Nico's already on campus slinging it around. And if he's great and he wins the job, you, you got to expect some growing pains, maybe even like six and six potentially. But expectations have changed on Rocky Top, which I think fans need to pump the brakes on for next year. But if Nico wins the job and he's good enough to win the job, that is a good thing for the program long term. That means he's so good that by by his number two year and third year, he could be extraordinarily talented. And so, like, that's great if he wins the job. If he's not ready yet, mm -hmm. I, I, I think Tennessee should be one of these teams, too, like Kentucky, like Florida, going into the portal to get somebody. And if Sam Hartman is available from Wake Forest, 
Sam Hartman would be nearly perfect to run Josh Heupel's offense. He ran all, something very similar with Dave Clawson. It's 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 a Josh Heupel's is a little simpler and a little faster, and I think it will allow him to play faster. That really slow mesh at Wake Forest was not necessarily doing him any favors. I I just think as part of this, what is Tennessee going to look like in the future? Expectations, blah blah blah. I I I don't know why Josh Heupel would not be looking in the portal to grab somebody big, knowing that you can be like, look what I can do for you. Look what I did for Hendon Hooker. Look what I can mm-hmm. do for you. We had, a, we had a top five Heisman winner, 10 win season. Like, why don't you come play for my offense? It's very quarterback friendly. Why do you think that's not happening? I mean, look, Heupel obviously believed in Milton two years ago because he would not give Hooker the starting job. Despite the fact that people like me were like, no, he's not good enough. <laughs> um, I if they believe in Milton and they want to give it a ride, fine. I think you're looking at a seven or eight win season. Best case scenario. Best case. I, I mean, I don't know. I do. I do feel like there are times where Josh Heupel has seen things that I didn't. <laughs> I mean, obviously sure. he does because he's inside the program. But, you know, it, I didn't think it was possible to turn Tennessee around the way that he did that quickly. So I had doubts about the ability to not necessarily about Josh, Josh Heupel's ability in general, although I didn't know exactly how it would work, but I definitely didn't. I definitely, I, I know that you have to see that to make it happen. I know that he had to have actually seen the potential in order for that to come true. I didn't know you could do it that fast. So I will, I will set back and say that maybe there's something that he sees that I don't. But I know what you're saying. And he's played football. Dude, Joe Milton has played football for like five years. He's never been good. It's never happened. Sam Hartman has 107 passing touchdowns. <laughs> he Sam Hartman has been the starting quarterback at Wake Forest during the best Wake Forest run of football in school history. And Joe Milton has never been good at football in college at Michigan or at Tennessee. I just I don't know what we're, I don't know what the debate is. I honestly do not understand what the debate is. He's got 17 rushing touchdowns, 107 passing touchdowns. He's scored 124 touchdowns, 124. <laughs> I just don't want to be the one apologizing to him like you've had to to Shane Beamer all season. I, that's fine. I'll apologize to him. I I just I, I look you Tennessee fans. I love you to death. I've got Tennessee memorabilia in my office right now. You cannot complain. Then Hendon Hooker belonged in New York, which he did, and I voted him number two on my ballot. You cannot in the same breath say that Hendon Hooker is a Heisman Trophy finalist who is one of the best players in the country and had one of the most outstanding seasons in Tennessee history, and then also say there's not going to be any drop-off without him. You, you, those two things cannot exist together. They they right. are like, I think this this program was extremely Hendon Hooker dependent. Because he is that good. He is that yeah, special. He, anyone that play any team anywhere, when you have a quarterback that's that talented, will be dependent on them. Because it would be stupid not to be. Right. Right. I just think there's it's okay to lose an, a generational talent at quarterback and not be as good the next year. That, that's pretty yeah. normal. It'd be that's weird. Per, if, yeah. I mean. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you go into the portal and you just see what's available. You know, just see what's available. Just like when you peruse jedun.com, you go to jedun.com, you peruse what's available. You see There's what's in there. There's lots of things available on there. Maybe something you is better for you. literally transfer wherever you want. <laughs> Maybe something's better for you in there. Maybe there's a better fit for your offense at jedun.com. You can, why don't you rant for a second? I'm going to see where the coolest jedun job 
is located right now. JDunn.com. Click the button careers. That's where I would look, move. Look for all the cool opportunities. There's over 200 jobs available. Top five billion in annual revenue. Top 100 healthiest place to work. We are telling you that these are wonderful and amazing and awesome people that care about their employees like nobody else. Literally voted. How can you be a top 100 healthiest place to work? And you can't bullshit your way through that. You can't make that up. You can't fake that. That's real life. JDunn.com, Aaron. Now, quickly, they've got, quickly they've tell got, me. They've got some, a char- couple Charleston jobs. Oh, sign me up for that, dude. Oysters. Dude, you, lo- you love Charleston. I love Charleston so much. Give me some also, Isle of Palms. Give me some obstinate daughter down there, baby. I love it. New I York. Two, I, got two, got, I got two of those, by the way. Also, Charlotte's underrated. Charlotte, Charlotte's actually really cool. Colorado Springs. Ooh, not bad. Not bad. bad. Oh, Santa Clara. Never mind. I'm done. Santa Clara, California. No, thanks. Why? No, thanks. I mean, unless I was making a fortune, but no thanks. Taxes. Oregon. Okay, I can do Oregon. Okay. Charleston, you've not got you've not named anything better than Charleston or Nashville. I know. Also, Oregon. I'm on like there's like fifteen thousand pages of these. Two hundred and fifty eight jobs in this category. Just in this category. Wow. Because that's like there's an early career section. So if you haven't done this before, you can go to that. And then there's also just like a regular job opening section. So you can kind of sort by level. Yeah. What's not to like? Uh, again, nothing better than Charleston so far. Nashville and Charleston. Best two places so far that I've heard. But anyway, all across the Southeast, great place to work. Uh, again, you, you want to transfer, jump into the portal. I think Tennessee should look. I think Tennessee should look. Just go in there, peruse around, see what you think, because I think there's some options in there that are definitively better than Joe Milton, which gets us to our mailbag, of course. You're going to open a gift from my daughters here soon on camera. Oh, yes. I keep so we're forgetting that I have soon. a gift. I love gifts. We got, cr- we got some Cruton stuff we'll talk about. Uh, I know you've been inside the war rooms at recruiting on signing uh, for recruiting on national signing day of an sec school. So I want you to tell everybody about that. And then of course we've got some of our story, favorite, favorite storylines, least favorite storylines of 2022. We've got to do some typical holiday podcasting here. Yep. Um, all right. One of the mailbag questions though, was, uh, was, was should Vols fans expect a big drop off? Who was that from, by the way, can you, can you tell me all the names of the people? Yeah, that, You want to know from? them? Yep. I'll I, pull it up. That one's from Zach Ellis. He used to be, oh, the, yeah. yeah, yeah. He used to work at Vandy. Um, he grew Friend up of the pod, Zach Ellis. Hi, Zach. Merry Christmas, buddy. I know Zach's the best. He, um, yeah, did work at Vandy for a long time and grew up a Tennessee fan. So wrote, wrote for Sports Illustrated covering college yep. football. As very, well. very, very talented writer. Got out of the media business. So he's probably a happy man now. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I do think with all the weaponry leaving, with the quarterback leaving, with the coordinator leaving, I think it would be irrational to expect growth on offense, but expectations have been raised for Tennessee. I just think. I think fans should prepare for a step back and then build up to 2024. Whether that's Nico at quarterback, whether that's a transfer, whether it's Milton holding the fort down for one year, the whole goal should be to stack a third, two and three recruiting classes on top of each other to build towards Nico Yamaleava's true sophomore season where he takes over and the, the roster is better than it's been under Josh Heupel and they have a legitimate chance to compete for the Eastern Division Championship. I, I think that is a pretty optimistic way of looking at it that next year is a building year and a rebuilding year for lack of a better cliche for Tennessee. So that was my, that that's my answer to, do, do you agree with that? Or do you think I they're do. capable of like, how do you think fans are going to handle eight and four or seven and five? I mean, you guys have had practice, not you, but like fans, <laughs> like you, you get it. You understand it takes time. And also yeah, okay. there have been there, there should be enough moments. I know there's some bad ones, but there are some very, very special moments this season that are just going to have to hold you over till you can get there. Um, yeah. The the silver lining of this, if there is one, is 
that it is more fun to be a Tennessee fan now and it is more fun to play at Tennessee yeah. and it shows. So the the guys enjoying being there will go a long way. It can hold you for a year. Again, if I'm a quarterback in the portal, I don't know why Tennessee would not be one of my first choices. Like go play in that offense. Sign yeah. me up. Sign me up. But it doesn't mean that they're as good as Hendon Hooker. So, all right. Uh, next one. Um, so uh, this one's from Tim on Twitter. Tim Dodge. Shout out. Love you, Tim. Uh, avid, avid uh, friend of the pod. Um, I think this is a great question because we're going to talk about recruiting and we're going to incorporate Texas and Oklahoma into that conversation. But Texas and Oklahoma, who has a chance to compete for the SEC championship first? I know you got a question similar to that. Yeah, I do think this Grayson. is I, I think it is fascinating how fast our perceptions of these two institutions have, in my opinion, changed in less than a year. Lincoln Riley leaves after making the playoff every year and winning Heisman's all over the place only to go right to USC and win a Heisman trophy. And almost make the playoff one game away from making the playoff. One play away, frankly, from potentially making the playoff um, when they lost to Utah in the regular season in overtime on on the final play. And, and Brent Venables, no coach, no head coaching experience, steps in, and the team is just not nearly as good. Meanwhile, Texas it has a bad first year under Sark, but then la this past season makes clear strides. Yeah, they have they have extraordinary talent at the quarterback position with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. They're recruiting like crazy. Yeah. They're they're the only they're they're recruiting on the same level as Alabama and Georgia right now, and if they do that a couple more times while Oklahoma is sort of finding its footing under Brent Venables and then has to enter the SEC, I I can't believe my answer is Texas. Like I honestly can't believe I'm saying that out loud that Texas has a chance to win an SEC championship before Oklahoma. That's that's how I feel right now though. Yeah, I, that's how I mean I feel the same, and I think that even when even though the it was a struggle under Sark at the beginning. I have always had faith in Sarkeesian. I think his brain works in a way that a lot of people's brain does not um, in the coaching realm. And although there were some, uh, some moving parts and some things to figure out at the beginning, I have always had faith that in the long run, his ability to run a big time program is absolutely there. And the creativity that he brings to the game is something that I think can allow them to progress pretty quickly. So I can't argue with you on that one. I think it's a great question, Tim. Uh, Steven, Steven Lassen, I don't know who that is, but he said, uh, what SEC, what SEC bowl game are you most looking forward to? Um, we talked about the bowl games Ooh. a lot. We got Wake Forest and Missouri coming up this weekend. There's no other games on the schedule until our next show comes out next week. You got Kansas and Arkansas on the Liberty bowl on the 28th. You got Texas tech and Ole Miss. Um, honestly, it might be Iowa, Kentucky in the Music City Bowl just because I I, I want to see the lowest scoring bowl game in the history of football. That's what I want to see. I, they, they, it's just I think the total is like 31, 30. Like they, they are Vegas is predicting like a 14 to 13 game. And I want I want to hammer the under just for the fun of it. Yeah, fair <laughs> just enough. For, just for the fun of it. I'm so, looking forward to Tex Texas Tech Ole Miss and South Carolina Notre Dame. That's good. Are two I, that I'm looking forward to. I don't I'm just not used to matchup. Like I don't, I don't know anything that I could ever compare to South Carolina playing Notre Dame. Probably because I don't, I don't know. Think, I just, don't, I don't know what to think about it. But I'm very intrigued by it. And go listen to our bowl preview. But there's a lot of these games that have never happened before, like ever in the history. That's of one, college right? Football. South Carolina Notre Dame. I don't think has ever happened before. So yeah, uh, very, very interesting. I was surprised that I don't think Wake Forest and Missouri have ever played either, which seems odd because they seem like they'd be two teams that would play all the time. Also, like. like weirdly comparable those two. In that's my what I'm. Mind. That's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like you figure they'd be in the same bowl tier mm -hmm. almost all the time. Um, 
Kansas, Arkansas is really interesting. So uh, thank you from Stephen Lassen. I don't know who that is, but follow him on Twitter at Athlon Stephen. Yeah. Uh, all right. Where's where's the next one coming from? Aaron? Okay, let's see. Um, hold on. Pull mine back up. A lot. Some of mine were just comments. I'm like, people are just. Well, we eliminate those. We don't want people comments. love to give their opinions. Let's see. Um, hold on. It's great. It's great podcasting. Yeah, it is. Jdun.com. I. Go these aren't que- these aren't questions. Go to jdun.com. My does Vanderbilt go to a bowl game in 2023? Like Ooh, the rest of them it. are just comments. And and I think somebody said something about Clark Lee being the right guy. Like here here's what I would say about Clark Lee, and then I'll let you. It's your alma mater, so I'll let you go. I, I have no idea if they can make a bowl game next year. They were damn close this year. I I don't know how you can be upset with what he's done so far though. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, and by any definition. He has shown progress from the time he stepped on campus until the time we are recording this podcast. <laughs> like right. he, he has done nothing but show progress. Now we'll get to recruiting rankings. They're last in the SEC, but that's pretty standard. They're top 50 in recruiting, which is actually not bad for Vanderbilt. They're number 49 right now, I think, in the team rankings at time of taping. I I don't what else are you looking for? I mean, they're gonna invest a ton of money. They're gonna they've already broken ground and torn tearing the stadium down and trying to rebuild some some parts of it. I, like they won five games, they're recruiting okay. He's rebuilt the roster. Like I don't know what are Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt fans upset about at this point. I don't know if you. I mean, I I'm not. Uh, if I'm talking as a Vandy fan, I'm not upset. And I also know that Vanderbilt has to be rebuilt the right way. There's not really quick fixes. We've seen things work before. Yes, did James Franklin win a lot of games really quickly? He did. It was also a lot of those were Bobby Johnson's recruits. It just happened to work and things fell in place at the right time. And he was a marketing genius. And I, I think Franklin did great things. I like him as a person. Um, there were problems, yes, but whatever. The quick fixes at Vandy don't normally work. And Clark Lee, I think, spent the time to put the put the foundation back in place and make it make sense and then just building from there and that's all you can hope for as a Vandy alum as a Vandy fan and I will say that I hope next time we make major improvements on campus we're on the forefront of that because by the time we get stuff done people have made another 70 million dollar investment in yep. their stadium yep. and college station and it's just hard to catch back up so we're going last right now but like let's not wait this long next time and just hope that you know we can recruit better that way james franklin a lot of wins against joker phillips Derek dooley <laughs> so on and so forth uh also how dare you disrespect the recruiting job that robbie caldwell did that one year okay I love Robbie Caldwell so of, much. A lot of Bobby Caldwell. Uh, Only person recruits. that might have as many good one-liners as Mike Leach. Oh, God. Greatest nas- greatest uh, SEC Media Day performance of all time. Uh, okay, what else we got here? Uh, a couple more questions here from the mailbag. Um, You go. What you got? Uh, well, somebody off- asked about... Uh, we've talked about this. Uh, somebody asked about Kiffin uh, to Alabama. We've talked about this. I've talked to some Alabama people, and I think we've mentioned on the show a bunch. I think it's a perfect fit. I do think it depends on who's in charge at Alabama. I agree. Like if, if it's the same old guys that have been there the lo- a long time, Greg Byrne, whoever else, if they're all there in four or five years when Nick Saban decides to hang it up, whenever that is, maybe they know too much about Joey Freshwater and they're too close to it. And maybe they don't want that. I think from the outside looking in, he has matured. He has evolved. I think he's uniquely qualified to take over for Nick Saban. It doesn't mean he can win seven national championships. But clearly, he's a very good football coach. He's a good recruiter. And if given the Alabama resources, I think he is better equipped to do that job than he ever was at Tennessee, USC, or the Oakland Raiders. 
I just think in four or five years, Lane Kiffin wa- wants the Alabama job. Uh, and I think the other name, by the way, I don't see somebody else in that and it making sense. Here's the other name I would throw out there. And it's weird because I don't I don't know if you would leave Texas for Alabama. But John Talty's book says there's an anecdote in there. Secret leaderships of Nick Saban. Go check it out. John Talty, ale.com. Um, that Steve Sarkeesian was almost the head coach in waiting in Tuscaloosa. They almost gave him that title. So that's the other one to keep an eye on is Sark at Texas. If he gets them back to national championship levels at Texas. Maybe you never want to leave there, or yeah. maybe or maybe Alabama's too attractive. I don't know. It's Alabama. I hear you on the Sark thing. That's that's the only other person that I could see actually making sense. Very different vibes from those two. Um, do not really have yeah, the yeah. same personality as each other at all. But but both um, have like quieted with age and kind of mellowed and calmed and matured with age. Well, and, and one started some loud. One started louder than the other. But yeah, I don't know. They both got fired from USC for like personal reasons, basically. So I'm mean, not not personal reasons, but like Stark Stark had the alcohol stuff, and and Kiffin certainly had his own off the field issues we, that we all know about. Yeah, they both a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, but again, they both kind of mellowed and relaxed, and I think are are in their primes right now. So I think that makes them interesting candidates for for replacing Nick Saban. Uh, the who, other I, things I, I that know, came who, up was Liam who asked Cohen. that question. Who asked? We should give credit for who asked that question. Oh, Murray Harris, like one of my favorite people ever. Huge, right. lifelong Vandy fan has been going to games with his dad since he was really, really little. Okay. And l- like if you ever go to Vanderbilt postgame or Vanderbilt baseball game in the postseason, he is leading the crowd. He's not the whistler, is he? No, he's not the whistler. Okay. No, 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 no. He's just Freaking like kind God. of a, he's a hype guy. All right, good. Good. Yeah. Um, I don't need um, then, I don't need every commenter's entire life story, by the way. Just shout out no, to but, name. No, but Murray deserves it because <laughs> no, but he deserves it because he's just like such a hardcore Vandy fan. There's not that many of those. So he deserves a shout out. All right. All right. What else you got? You got one about uh Auburn? Just, Hugh Freeze? Uh yeah, Hugh Freeze will get Auburn. Will Hugh Freeze get er, Auburn? Oh, God, I can't talk. Will, will Hugh Freeze get Auburn turned around quickly? I think he's an excellent hire, is what it says. Who is this from? You're, this you, is I know, from, I know you're new to the to the mailbag process, but you have to give credit to the people. Thank you and shouts so out. You gave to the me people. too. Then I gave too much credit, apparently. Yeah, you gotta you gotta thread a fine fine line there. Um, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I screenshotted it. All right. Um, uh, I listen. I've said this about Hugh Freeze. I think he's a really solid coach. I obviously have my own personal issues with hiring someone and paying him nine million dollars who has trouble being a leader on a particular issue that is very serious for college campuses, which is the safety of women. I think that's a major issue. He has a 20-year track record of behavior. It's not a one-off that he's creepy and weird. He's just creepy and weird. But (laughs) he's a solid football coach. And if we're just talking football, I do think there's risk involved because the same year he beat Alabama with five turnovers inside the Alabama 40, by the way, he also lost to Memphis and Arkansas. Like He's he's a good coach. I don't think he's elite, but I do think they're going to be good quickly. So I would say eight, eight or nine wins ish pretty fast. I don't know about 2023, but I think quickly. And, and then my question is how high can he fly? How high can he go? And does it, does he fly too close to the sun? (laughs) Does it eventually, is it too volatile, too much organized chaos inside of organized chaos on top of a dumpster fire inside of a maze of, you know, craziness. I, I, I don't know. Like I don't, I'm excited the, to see I where think it, on the field. I think on the field, there will be some improvements pretty quickly. I, like you said, I just don't know if it's going to go up in flames at some point. We don't have, if we're basing it on history, 
where there is smoke, there is fire, and there is oftentimes a cloud of smoke hanging around yeah. Hugh Freeze, but he also has done some pretty incredible things in terms of turning programs around quickly, and so we might see a little bit of both. Sometimes he, it's both. He, he was, he's was he been a winner everywhere he's gone, and I, I am curious if, like, again, part of the reason Ole Miss won a bunch of games is that he went and got a bunch of players sort of illegally at the time. Again, I don't care about that morally, but the problem is that now everybody can do all of that same stuff legally now. And so does that take away one of his advantages? I don't know. We'll find out. I think he's a pretty good coach. I think they'll be good quickly. I have questions about how it all finishes, how it all ends when they get a little too close to the sun. That That's yeah. that's that's sort of how I fall on that. Okay. We'll uh, all find out together. Thanks to everybody who asked questions. We'll maybe do another one of those in the offseason. We'll do some mailbag stuff. We'll get to recruiting rankings here in just a second because National Signing Day is is this week. And some storylines, best and worst of 2022. But I think we should open a gift here. We've never done this oh, before. Yes, 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 We've yes, never yes. done this before. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a good company man here. I like to give gifts to the people that work with. I'm not going to say for 440 Sports, but with 440 Sports. We've got a lot of great hosts and great people doing work on the show. Shows. And I, I went to get, some, get something for Aaron for Christmas. And, of course, I brought so nice. my six and four-year-old daughters. And they helped me do the picking. Of the gifts. And this has been the result. Aaron, you may open the bag. And why don't you describe for people what you're doing as you're doing it? Okay. Well, first of all, this is the cutest tag that I showed earlier. And I'm keeping it for forever. <laughs> Written I by a six little kid's handwriting. <laughs> so it's a, it's a brown paper bag with no snowflakes on it. Yep, with snowflakes on it. He's opening up said bag. Oh my gosh. It's a freak. It's a cat unicorn <laughs> ornament, which is a just amazing. And this phrase is so me. Shit doesn't always make sense. His daughters <laughs> picked this out. I will say at least one of them can't read and maybe two of them. No, my littlest one can't read. The young, The oldest one is very, very, very close to reading every one of those words. But she does not quite yet know shit. She's probably listened to a lot of Marin Morris say shit over over. If you listen, this to this is it's Hero a glittery record. too. It's just like the most epic ornament of all time, <laughs> a glittery cat unicorn that says shit doesn't always make sense. It's Where'd a get this? And it's a beauty pageant sash too. Like it's yeah. a it's a beauty pageant sash that says shit don't always make sense. It's unbelievable. <laughs> unicorn... I thank you so much. Give both of your daughters a hug and tell them I said I love it. I will do that. Uh, I hope that was worth the build up for everybody because that cat's got some creepy eyeballs, man. I tell you what. <laughs> no, this cat's literally perfect. Cat is strung out, man. Uh, every ornament on my tree is this first time I've ever had a tree. Every ornament on my tree is just a normal Christmas like sphere. And wait, this. wait, you're one of those people that has the boring like theme tree. I just got one for the studio because I felt like I needed it. Oh. And I didn't I don't have I've never had my own tree, so I don't collect ornaments. This will be oh, my man. first real ornament that's not just a ball maybe we're the weird people but like our tree is entirely exclusively covered with like just complete Ridiculous. bizarro randomness no that's yes. way cooler i just gotta start doing it and some of it's like oh this one's from new york this one's when we were in sedona this one's like this one was given to us by the grandparents to the kids this one is a lego man like it's all the weirdest shit in the world so um but there you go merry christmas Eric. i love it thank you <laughs> tell them i said thank you um, I'm all right. obsessed. All right, National Signing Day is coming up. And first, I want you to tell the stories of what it is like to be in a war room. Because now this this also is sort of a time gone by where, like, coaches would sit by the fax machine on in the first Wednesday in mm -hmm. February 
and you'd have your entire staff there. You'd be posting videos. You'd be cheering. And you did it. You were there with at Vanderbilt with James Franklin, right? Or was it Derek oh, Mason? I, was. I wasn't working when Franklin was there. I was in school okay. for part so, of it. So you were kind of in, in you overlapped with, with Franklin and Mason in terms of your work as well. Um, so just give everybody a sense of what it is like on in the war room on National Signing Day for an SEC program. Well, I was not. I know a lot about what Franklin's war room was like, but I was not working there yet. <laughs> um, it, I have seen all. I have seen all the tapes, though. I've seen all the footage. Um, yes, crazy. The fax machine was great. We always did a lot of stuff with the fax machine when they were still using it, just because it's really, really fun. Um, but it's chaos. I mean, people have been on the recruiting guys have been on the phone twenty three and a half hours a day for you know, weeks leading up to this. Um, we've got, you've got compliance people, everyone's set up in different areas than they normally are. So you've got compliance um, that's like come a lot closer to the war room to try to make sure all the papers are signed and things are signed off on. And everyone's kind of in a very condensed space, whereas we're mostly spread out throughout the whole athletic department. You kind of reset up and post up all in the football wing, which is where video was anyway. So we're filming the whole thing. There are like papers flying. You always have a, we have a big map or we did at Vanderbilt of as people signed, we'd add them to the map. You're like cranking out video content and trying to put it on social as people sign. Um, we had Erin Atkins who now works at um, UCLA. She would make up a rhyme slash song or, and or rap for every single player. <laughs> I'll have to try to find some of those. They were hilarious. So she was just like the hype woman. She'd run around and like, and she'd go to all the different departments and sing her rap. Like as we got a new guy, um, it was, I mean, complete chaos, but yeah. very, very fun and yeah, exciting. And, I, and it's and it's really like it, what's funny about recruiting is it is the end of an extremely arduous, long process. Many God. times, years and years and years to build a relationship with this young kid and their family or their whoever's important to them. But really, it's the beginning as a fan, in my opinion, it's really the beginning of of like what actually is going to happen. Cause again, I, I started at rivals. I worked in recruiting for a long time. Those days at rivals.com and Oh five, Oh six, Oh seven were absolutely batshit crazy on national signing day. We do 15 hours of radio straight and no breaks with like all the wildness in the office. And I always enjoyed it so much. And then I, as I got, I've gotten older, I just, now it's like, don't tell me about the labor pain. Show me the baby. Like show me yeah. the signature on the piece of paper. That is when I will start to care about the player that you are. And now with the portal, who knows how many of these players are going to stick around, right? It's basically 10% roughly that are going to transfer, which I still don't think is that big of a number. I don't, if 90% of the players that sign on national signing day stay at the school that they've signed at, that's not free agency folks. That's pretty good actually. Yeah, it is. Um, but I think what's interesting to me is let's start with, I mean, Alabama, Georgia are one and two going into national signing day. Um, I think it's interesting that Texas is fourth nationally and Oklahoma is eighth nationally, which would put them third and fifth in the SEC respectively, which tells me two things. One, it means that if they can continue that with the SEC patch on their shoulder pad and on their and on their polos when they recruit, that they will be just fine in the SEC. If they can yeah. stay in that territory, they're just fine. It also just makes it that much harder for all of the middle class in the SEC. South Carolina, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky. It makes it so freaking hard for those teams to ever have a chance to win a division, although there won't be divisions in the future, get into the SEC championship game. It's just going to be so hard. Which, yeah. If Texas and Oklahoma do this, 
man, it's going to be brutal. It is. And it's like, you know, A&M as of this year is, well, let's see, falling down a little bit, right? Yeah, they're eighth in the SEC this year, 15th overall. That's a big drop, obviously, from the greatest class in the history of mankind last year. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's the truth of the matter is, is that, I mean, in a lot of states, there are, I mean, you always want to keep talent, in-state talent in-state, but, um, you know, you got two powerhouses like that and Texas gaining that much speed. And a lot of kids, you know, a lot of kids don't mind moving to play wherever they want to play, but um, there is a lot to be said about a kid being able to stay in their home state and have people come and travel, especially to have as, um, especially when you have as, as obsessed as a football coach culture, as you do in Texas, whether that's high school or college. So, I mean, the stakes are high. A&M's got to, you know, be ready for that. Uh, by the way, I just remembered, I, I apologize, Arkansas fans. I totally forgot to mention Jacoby Criswell, North Carolina transfer, transfers back home to Arkansas, four-star quarterback. He's in the portal. He's gone to he's going to Arkansas. So that is part of your recruiting if you're Arkansas. You can count grabbing a player of his talent. Again, he was going to get beat. He got beat out by Drake May. Drake May's got an NFL future. Criswell, rightly so, transfers back home and goes to Arkansas. That might be he he certainly will factor into the replacing KJ Jefferson thing. Um, should that need to happen. So uh, Arkansas, by the way, uh, 20th nationally. Uh, Tennessee, top top 10 class right now, number nine in the rankings. That would be their best class since I think Butch Jones is like number five rated class back in like 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, they have not been inside the top 10 for a while. You got Florida at 11, which I think is I, – I can't decide, honestly. I, I don't think that's good enough compared to like Urban Meyer Florida recruiting. It is right on par with where they've been the last – few years their last five classes 16th 12th 9th 9th and 14th so it is right around where they've been but that's not where they were under urban meyer they were in the top five and so i don't i'm curious how fans will take billy napier in that situation Mm -hmm. uh on the bad side of things kentucky man kentucky has been a top 25 recruited team 13th last year one of the best recruiting classes in school history they were the 23rd best recruiting team over the last five rankings the last five seasons they are 46th right now and would be 15th in the SEC behind everybody but Vanderbilt if you count Texas and Oklahoma. If you count Texas and Oklahoma. If you don't, they went from 13th in the country to 13th in the conference. Oh, look what you, look what you did there. I See? like that. Uh, we, like, Ole, we, we like the the repeat. Uh, keep an eye on a few teams that could grow. Texas A&M only has 15 commitments. Ole Miss has 12. Yep. Um, Auburn only has 16. Of course, a coaching change. So we'll see what Hugh Freeze can do. Uh, Kentucky does only have 15. Missouri, 18. These are some of the teams in the bottom. So w- what really matters is what what do you look like over a five-year window of time? And to win, to make the playoff, you almost exclusively have to be in the top 15 on average. Yep. Uh, and so, again, Cincinnati, Washington State, or Washington and Michigan State made it to the playoff without an average recruiting ranking in the top 15. I think TCU is the fourth one to do that. So we've had two in the last two years do that. Yep. But you got to be in the top 15 on average. And, you know, right now that's basically Alabama, Georgia, Texas, LSU, Oklahoma, Florida, Texas A&M, and Auburn. And Auburn, of course, would need to close strong to get there. Tennessee's um, close. Tennessee's very close. Um, so, and again, this class would potentially move them into a top 15 status should they land a top 10 class. So I think the most important thing is not don't get caught up on the individual players. Certainly the quarterbacks are important, but really pay attention to average recruiting ranking over a five or six year period. That's really how your team is built. Um, and I think that's the most important thing is to yeah. keep, look at those team rankings. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Agreed. Um, all right. I think that's about it. Um, uh, National Signing Day is just not what it used to be, man. Like it's just in December. It's just not. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what you do with it. I don't think you can cancel it and move it all back to February. But you got the portal craziness right now. It, like it's a wild time to be a coach. I mean, you make millions of dollars, so I don't really care. But but, but right. it's a it's a wild time to be a coach. Um. All right, favorite best and worst story. We'll we'll wrap up this way. Go to Jay Dunn, by the way, please. Jaydunn.com. Make sure you check out all the different job opportunities there. It's a great place if you're looking to transfer. Make sure you go there. Um. All right, just your favorite storyline. What's the favorite the favorite thing we talked about on the pod? The favorite thing that you saw happen in SEC football in 2022, because obviously the least, the, the worst is, is Mike, the passing of Mike Leach, but we'll yeah. get to some other ones. But just, just what was your favorite thing about this? I year? mean, to me, the things that stand out, and I hate to, I don't know if this is a boring answer, but it's just both have to do with Tennessee, which is the, them beating Alabama in the fashion that they did and the cigar smoke and the rushing the field, <laughs> which, which did spiral into a lot of other. I would say unjustified field rushes on the season. Remember, make it worth it. It costs your school about one hundred and seventy-five to two hundred thousand dollars every time you do that. Do not do it if you have enough space to do a cartwheel once you get on there, Vanderbilt. <laughs> Thank you. And then on the other, the least favorite thing is watching people that have Heisman potential that should that I feel like would have just uh, blown certain situations out of the water and watching their their at least seasons end in tragedy with Hendon Hooker. Yeah. Um, same same side, of, opposite side of the same coin. Um, and then also what South Carolina was able to do in terms of uh, upsets and unexpected wins and the win over Clemson and uh, getting getting to watch them celebrate something that they haven't gotten to in a long time. So my favorite thing of 2022 was Jimbo Fisher's press conference. Oh, damn. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's not even close. That's so good. I close, forgot about that. Close number two, specifically Tennessee's win over Alabama because the game was so good. The quarterbacks were so good. The field, the atmosphere, it had everything you want when you design like why you love college football. And certainly it's my alma mater. So I get that. That's a part of this. But it, that just don't even objectively, if you're a fan of LSU or a fan of Anyone else in college football, there's no way that that could not have been like that is the best football game we have seen in like a long time. Maybe Georgia, Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield, Rose Bowl playoff game, maybe that kind of good, you know, like yeah. or, or even, you know, that that same year, Georgia, Alabama, I, you know, Stetson Bennett winning the national championship technically is 2022, right? That yeah. was a really that was a really cool moment to mm -hmm. see Stetson Bennett do what he did in the fourth quarter. I think that's really cool, uh, but there's nothing that compared to Jimbo Fisher sitting at that press conference and saying that we should investigate God. God. <laughs> y'all need to go. Y'all need to go look into how God did his stuff. <laughs> I don't even know what he said, but it's I just, can't. We, I'm gonna, I need to rewatch that. After and then for A&M and then for A&M to be one of the most disappointing preseason ranked teams in the history of the conference. Tough to see is, is a tough way for that one to end. If you're a and M fan, of course, um, Haynes King, by the way, goes to Georgia Tech in the portal. I, I just it's <laughs> the Jimbo Fisher press it's hard to top that is by far the greatest thing I've maybe ever seen <laughs> other than like yeah. the kick. Six, it goes. It's like kick six territory. Like I'm trying. I'm like really racking my brain to think of something more dynamic and amazing than that. It's tough. Yeah. All right. Worst of 20. Any, any, any other great ones that. It stand out again. Stetson Bennett win the natty in the fourth quarter. Um, 
uh, you know, the, the Jimbo Fisher press conference and the Tennessee Alabama game would probably be my top three of 2022. I think it's going to be hard for us to top those. I'm trying to think of the other. There's so many great games. Like, I mean, there were a lot. Of, there was that one week. What week was it where it was just like, oh, my God, we're so spoiled. It was towards the beginning of the season. Yeah. It was just unbelievable. The upsets and like what what played out. And I can't remember what week it was. I mean, the but... Florida Utah game was great. And that wasn't even that big of a game. Like, yeah, that game was great. LSU. LSU, how many LSU games? LSU, Florida State, LSU, Alabama. Yep. I, I mean, LSU, Ole Miss was like a wild swing. Like, it's just, uh, it, LSU had a, is a great story. You mentioned South Carolina, back-to-back -to -back top 10 wins at the end of the year. That's a really great story. But I think there's no question LSU is an unbelievable story as well. First year, Brian Kelly, Brian, Brian, Kelly, Brian, Brian Kelly. Kelly wins the division and goes to Atlanta. I mean, they got curb stomp, but whatever. All right, well, let's wrap up here <laughs> on a high note. JEDunn.com, if you're looking for a new career. Uh, follow us on Twitter, interact, rate, review, subscribe, check out all the other uh, the great shows. Um, worst stories of 2022 in the SEC in your mind? Um, well, like I said, Hendon Hooker's injury. Um, uh, Hugh Freeze. Texas A&M, Texas <laughs> period. Just that's it. Full sentence. <laughs> it's just I would, maybe like maybe not my least favorite, but definitely least exciting. Jimbo um, Fisher's offense. <laughs> yeah, womp womp. Um, I see. I the ones I have are like fan narrative complaints that I have. Like what? Like the fact that everyone is like, especially Tennessee fans. Like people are obsessed with like just destroying Will Levis. Like no one understands why Will Levis is a top projected as a top pick in the draft or a top first round draft pick at quarterback, and everyone just is like, if Kentucky ever struggled this year mostly because of the offensive line and the lack of offensive coordinating are the two main reasons, not the quarterback. I just, for whatever reason, like Will Levis turned into like such a heel. College football fans were just, SEC fans were just obsessed with like, why is this guy ranked so high? He sucks. Like, it's just, I'm so tired of it. It's just, well, it's also like, you don't really like know the game that well. If you can't see past that, that's the easy, like layman's way of understanding why things aren't going well. If you actually paid attention. You would know that things were falling apart on the line for most of the season. I, basically, just fans complaining about stuff that I think is sort of incomplete like, narratives is kind of what you're saying. Yeah, like or just things that I feel like should be beneath you as a fan. Like if you're a Kentucky fan and you're pissed <laughs> you off, you know that you know better. <laughs> I know, I know. It's the SEC. I got it. It just means more. But like, <laughs> but like Shane Beamer trolling Mark Stoops after beating him. I think that's amazing. Kentucky fans are like, rah, rah, they're all upset about it. I'm like, dude, don't lose then. <laughs> like to the victor go the spoils. Like. Mark Stoops said some shit at SEC Media Day about Shane Beamer doing some sunglass stuff, and so when, so when they went into Lexington and beat you, he put on his sunglasses in the post game in the in the locker room and celebrated. Like you, if you don't want that to happen, win the football game. <laughs> yeah, or don't. I mean, you set yourself you set yourself up for that one. Yeah, I um, like man. Just... I, I I love the I love the warranted trolling. Like yeah yeah yeah. Like what Shane too. Beamer did, which is yeah. I didn't start this, but yeah, right, exactly. I'll finish it. Exactly. Because you started it. Like that kind of stuff is, is to me is super entertaining. Sometimes I think it's stupid when people come out of nowhere and troll you unprompted. And then if, if you, you do that, someone's going to take advantage of it. If you, you lose, you, you earn the right, man, you win yep. the game, you earn the right to do what you want to do. Um, That's it. I can't think of anything else. I mean, I'm upset with not seeing the Arkansas. I wanted to see, but I understand why with the amount of, yeah. Um, 
you know, they, they've got some rebuilding to do, but that's okay. I still believe in that program and the coaching staff there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it was a great year, man. It was a great year and we'll see about bowl games in Georgia in the playoff. And we still got some national championship stuff to talk about. So we still got a lot of fun to go, but, uh, just wanted to throw that out there here to wrap up things. Uh, Aaron, where can people find you? The Aaron Dugan on Twitter, Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. There you have it. You can get to me at Braden Gall at 440 Sports as well. Uh, com, folks. Go check them out. Have a great Merry Christmas. Holiday. Happy holiday. The Festivus for the rest of us. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever it is you celebrate. Have an awesome one, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week with a complete preview of the Georgia-Ohio State game coming up right here on Fringe Element, brought to you by 440 Sports and Jay Dunn. I was going to say Jay Dunn if you didn't. Be better. <laughs> <laughs>